Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Jimmy Graham 
going to Seattle, the rich getting richer. I mean, who expected that? That came out of nowhere. That was an out-of-nowhere type of situation. DeMarco Murray ultimately signing with Philly. LaShawn McCoy getting traded to Buffalo. I mean, the moves and the hits keep going and going and going. And so, you know, it was fun. It was fast. It was furious. And I think at the end of the day, none fast, none more furious than the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's get right down to them. And as we go throughout the course of this show, we're going to talk about the Eagles and what they did. And is it the right move? Are they better off today than they were at the end of 2014? We'll talk about that. We're going to get around, go around this league and talk about, you know what, who got it done and who didn't. The winners and the losers. Thus far in free agency, there's a lot of things that have to happen before this thing is all said and done. Kyrie Irving. We're going to talk about him. What a performance last night. We're going to talk about that performance and talk about the Cavaliers getting that victory. And if you saw that game last night, that game had a playoff feel to it. That game had a uh, – that was something I said to myself, I wouldn't mind seeing this again in June. I wouldn't mind seeing Kyrie and LeBron and, and, and Kevin Love against Duncan and Ginobili and, and Parker and the rest of those boys. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard's big time. He's rough. He's rough and tough, baby. But I, I, I want to see that. I wouldn't mind seeing that in June for sure. But that was a big-time basketball game last night. We'll get to that March Madness. The real March Madness is NFL free agency. But the NCAA tournament, it's about to get – well, championship week is this week. We're going to get the pairs and the brackings, the brackets and uh, who's playing who on Sunday. And we'll, we'll have a good old time. We'll have a good old time. But let's get right down to the Philadelphia Eagles and what they did. Um, it was funny. You know, on, on Saturday, Sunday, the thought process was, okay, the Eagles were going to side Brandon Browner. Okay, that was a done deal. And then they were going to get Frank Gore. And when that happened, you know, at the time, Gore, Browner, not Browner, uh, uh, lost my head. But the Frank Gore, well, at the time when they got Frank Gore, excuse me, Byron Maxwell and Frank Gore, I totally lost my head. But Byron Maxwell and Frank Gore, Byron Maxwell, you know, got big-time money. A lot of people said Philadelphia overpaid. They probably did. Sometimes you got to do that. But anyway, the Eagles got the corner that they needed. And they got the running back, seemingly, that they needed in Frank Gore. And at the time they signed Frank Gore, um, I wasn't a guy that was, like, so in love with that deal. I really wasn't because, you know, how much did Frank Gore really have left? That was my thought process. How much does Frank Gore really have left? And, and can he, you know, feel Obviously, he's not Shady McCoy at this point. But uh, maybe he could fill the void, maybe he couldn't, but he's not LaShawn McCoy. But my thought process is how much did Shady McCoy have left? How much? And I wasn't so sure. I mean, not Shady McCoy, Frank Gore. How much did Frank Gore have left? I wasn't so sure. But anyway, so you thought, okay, Eagles got Byron Maxwell, the Eagles got Frank Gore, and, you know, they're continuing progressing and continuing to move towards uh, who knows? Maybe Marcus Mariota in the draft. They got the cap space, and, and maybe Marcus Mariota is still a guy they're looking at in the draft. But come Tuesday, around 4 o'clock, Eagles make a deal. They trade Nick Foles, a guy that Chip Kelly obviously wasn't in love with, and they traded him to the St. Louis Rams for Sam Bradford in a, in a move that shocked everyone. I mean, it was a move that came out of nowhere. I mean, Bradford, 
$12 million he's making this year. He's making some big-time money. So in that deal, when they gave away Nick Foles for Sam Bradford, I mean, you know, you, you gave away a guy in Nick Foles who 14-4 as a starter two seasons ago had 27 touchdowns to so only two interceptions, a guy who, you know, before he went out, the team was 6-2 and two, and, you know, looking like they would have made the playoffs under Nick Foles. Uh, a guy in Nick Foles who was, who was, you know, struggled a little bit, but at the end of the day was winning. And they traded him for a guy in Sam Bradford who missed the past couple seasons, well, missed the all of last season with a torn, CL, torn ACL. Before that, you know, midway through the season, he tore his ACL before that. So he got two ACL tears. He had an issue with a shoulder at Oklahoma that kept him out. And, you know, he hasn't really been the pillar of health. And even when he's played, have you really been in love with Sam Bradford? I know before he tore his ACL that first time around, he was off to a pretty decent start. But at the end of the day, two ACL injuries in the same knee, tore his ACL twice in the same knee, a guy who hasn't proven to be healthy, a guy who's going to be in a spread offense in Philadelphia Nick with Chip Kelly's offense, a guy who's going to take hit. And – he hasn't, you know, to this point, taken hits well, I guess. I mean, you look at him, he's not played a lot of football. And when he has played, you know, it's not something, you're not blown away by Sam Bradford. But anyway, the Eagles get a 2015 fifth-round pick and a conditional 2016 pick. The Rams get Nick Foles, a 2015 fourth-rounder, and a 2016 first-rounder. A lot. They, they gave up a lot. So not only did they take on his salary, but they took on the $12 million salary, and they also took on, uh, and they also gave up draft picks. And initially, initially the thought was, when they made this move, and there was rumors out, out there that the Eagles and the Rams would have swapped picks, and the Rams would have got 20, and the Eagles would have got 10. That was the thought at the time, or at least the rumor. But ultimately, that rumor was shot down, of course, ultimately because it wasn't the truth. And eventually, we got the deal that I just said and just mentioned. And so I look at it now, and, and, and I look at this situation with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I wonder what they're doing. And before that, I mean, obviously, you traded LaShawn McCoy. Obviously, some of your thought process was, well, LaShawn McCoy is going to make $11 million this year, coming this upcoming season. Do you really want to pay that for the running back position? And I remember Todd Harriman saying in an interview that Chip values two things, quarterback. He values quarterbacks and offensive lines. Well, you know, obviously you sign a Ryan Matthews. You sign a, a DeMarco Murray. You pay him big-time money. You pay him big-time money between the two, $53 million in running backs. Now, granted, none of those guys are going to get all that money. This is the NFL, as we all know. But you look at it. And you're saying, well, this is somewhat of a contradiction because you traded Shady because you really didn't want to spend that kind of money at the running back position. And I know at the end of the day when you look at it, well, they got Kiko Alonso, who before last season, well, last season didn't play because he had a torn ACL. There's, there's a trend here. A lot of torn ACLs. Bradford has two. Uh, Kiko Alonso has two, had one in college, and just got – over one, or get, is getting over one. 
And so they get Kiko Alonso. I mean, he's a solid linebacker, and they need the defensive help. But when you look at it, at the end of the day, you can argue that the Eagles got four players for the, the amount of money they were going to pay LaShawn McCoy in this upcoming season. And now I know there was talk that possibly LaShawn was open to restructuring his deal, his contract, uh, to make him a little more cap friendlier. But, you know, obviously I don't know if it got to that point, but at the end of the day it looked like that LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, those guys didn't fit the quote-unquote culture that Chip Kelly wants to have. And, and you know, there was a big debate this week with Stephen A. Smith talking about Riley Cooper and how Riley Cooper can be a part of this culture that Chip is looking for, but not Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy. And, and I mean, you know, he, you know, initially the thought process was Stephen A. Smith was thinking maybe Chip Kelly has a little racism, you know, a little racism in him. You know, a little bit of a racist. Maybe that was the thought process. But Stephen A. Smith did clarify his comments in an interview that I heard from him. And he basically said he was talking about the culture and how LaShawn and, and Deshaun don't fit the culture. But Riley Cooper does, and I think that's a fair point. If we want to talk in terms of culture, how does LaShawn and Deshaun fit the cult, don't fit the culture, but how does Riley Cooper fit the culture? I mean, I think it's a fair argument in terms of culture. Not race, because I don't think race has anything to do with it. But at the end of the day, culture. And what kind of culture are you looking for? That You know, who knows? But anyway, obviously, you make these moves. Obviously, you 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 feel like, well, ultimately, DeMarco Murray came free. And, and, you know, maybe you didn't think that was a possibility. He was always free, but you didn't think that was a possibility that you could get DeMarco Murray. You know, the reports are Chip Kelly reached out to him. There was reports that maybe uh, DeMarco Murray reached out to Chip. Who knows? But at the end of the day, they worked it out. And the Eagles, you can argue, replaced LaShawn McCoy with someone better. I'm not going to say he's better, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a solid running back. He, you know, he's a Russian champ a year ago. So being that he is the, was the Russian champ last season, he he's obviously can play. He obviously can play. There's no doubt about it. He can play. Now you wonder if it's going to be a little different with this Eagles offensive line in terms in comparison to the Cowboys offensive line, but the Eagles offensive line was rated higher than the Cowboys offensive line offensive line in terms of uh, rushing. So the offensive line was a better better run blocking offensive line in comparison to the Cowboys according to the numbers. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you could argue, you could argue that the Eagles got four for one. In terms of Kiko Alonso, who helps your defense, DeMarco Murray, who accounted five million dollars against the cap this year, Ryan Matthews, who accounted uh, two million dollars against the cap this year, you know, and Walter Thurman. And so, you look at it, four players combined to make eleven point zero five million dollars. What Shady was slated to get this season. But I look at it and, you know, at the end of the day, who is to say Shady would not have restructured if Chip really wanted him here? And I think if Chip really wanted him, and, you know, LaShawn McCoy getting traded, if we really look at it, it's really not that much of a surprise. It's really not that much of a surprise because it was talked about throughout the course of this off season. It was talked about near the end of last season. So it's not a surprise that 
you know, Shady McCoy was ultimately traded. That's not really a surprise. Um, you know, it's not shocking at all. But at the end of the day, I want to ask you this. Sam Bradford, DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews, offensively, right now you plug that in in comparison to what you had with Nick Foles, Shady, and you had a big-time wide receiver in Jeremy Macklin who you lost. Which three would you rather have? Would you rather have Foles, McCoy, or Macklin? Or would you rather have Bradford, Matthews, and DeMarco Murray? Which one would you rather have? Which trio would you rather have? If I said you can have Jeremy Macklin, Nick Foles, unless you're McCoy, in comparison to would you rather have Bradford, would you rather have Murray and Matthews? And, and to me, at this point in time, if I look at the Philadelphia Eagles, Kiko Alonso, if he's healthy, is an upgrade for sure. <clears throat> he's an upgrade for you, for sure. There's no doubt about it, if he's healthy. You know, and, and we've seen guys come back from ACLs. We've seen guys come back from three ACLs. We've seen it. <clears throat> Thomas Davis. And he's come back, and he's still a big-time player. So we've seen it. it. It's nothing new. But anyway, anyway, you look at it, and you have those guys. Macklin, gone, your number one wide receiver. Uh, McCoy, one of the best runners in football. Russian champion a year ago, third in Russian this season. Foles, gone, 27-2. and two. A year ago, 14 and four. Two seasons ago, 27 and two. 14 and four as a starter before he went down six and two. You can argue that Nick Foles at this point in time has had a better career than Sam Bradford. I think that's a fair argument. I think you can most definitely argue that. Now, you, there's, there's many who believe that, and obviously Chip believes it that Sam Bradford is a better talent than Nick Foles. And that quite possibly could be true. I don't see it, but it could be true. It could be true. And time will be the judge of that. And and here's the thing. At the end of the day, we we look at Chip Kelly, and, and many want to call him a genius. Many want to say Chip has a plan. And do I think Chip has a plan? Let's get back to, to get to that question. Does Chip really have a plan? Maybe he does. You know, but here's and, and people say that well he doesn't have a plan because look what all that happened, look what transpired. But I'll say maybe he does have a plan because within any plan there has to be a level of fluidity with the thought that okay, I have to make adjustments along the way. I have to tweak this plan along the way. It may not go the way I mapped it out, the way the way I put it on paper, it may not go that way. But along the way, I tweak the plan here. I tweak the plan there. And a part of a good plan is to be able to adjust the plan along the way. And the Eagles, Chip Kelly, has been able, you can argue, to adjust the plan along the way. He lost Shady McCoy. Well, he bring up, brought in Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray. He upgrades his linebacker position with Kiko Alonso. He gets another corner in Walter Thurman. So you could argue that's how he upgraded. He gets uh, Byron Maxwell. He gets Mark Sanchez. And 
You know, I don't know about that. Five and a half million dollars guaranteed to Mark Sanchez. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But it seems like it's going to be Bradford or Sanchez moving forward in terms of who is going to be a starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2015. Or, or, or you can argue that Marcus Mariota and, and, you know, maybe Chip feels like he's still – maybe there's still plans for the Eagles to try to get Mariota. And here's what you have to understand. We, we don't understand Chip's plan, and Chip says he's not going to mortgage the future. He's not going to give up 20 draft picks. Of course you're not going to give up 20 draft picks. I think Chip, you know, he's just throwing that out there. He's just, just throwing exaggerations out there. Obviously you're not going to give up 20 draft picks. So if you question Chip Kelly uh, about that, well, Chip, you said you weren't going to give up 20. Well, I gave up five. You know, I mean, so it that doesn't even matter. I think Chip does have a plan. I think along the way he had to tweak the plan. He had to adjust the plan because, you know, that's what you do with the plan. You have to adjust a plan at times, and that's what Chip did. He adjusted his plan. The plan, I don't know what the plan is, but he adjusted the plan. He made, he tweaked the plan in a way that now, okay, Shady's gone. Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, he's out the door. But now we bring in uh, uh, two running backs to replace that. We bring in a Russian champion of 2014 to replace that. We bring in a guy in Ryan Matthews who couldn't stay healthy, but when healthy is a solid running back. He's good. Decent. But obviously there's still questions. Mark Sanchez at this point in time is your quarterback. Riley Cooper, Josh Huff, Jordan Matthews, are your wide receivers. There's no number one wide receiver there. You have a void at the guard position. Todd Harriman's is gone. As we know right now, reports are Evan Mathis is on the block. So there, there's, you know, obviously this is a team. Uh, we're March, so, so a lot can be, a lot can happen. A lot can be figured out. A lot can be done. Maybe Mariota some, is in the Eagles' future. Maybe he's not. You know, maybe Sam Bradford, at the end of the day, will be the quarterback in 2015, and maybe Sam Bradford will stay healthy and, and you know, have put up big-time numbers in Chip Kelly's offense. Maybe he won't. Maybe Mark Sanchez, if Sam Bradford falters, maybe Mark Sanchez comes in, cleans it up, his second year in the offense, maybe he puts up big-time numbers, and maybe the Eagles continue on their winning ways, and maybe they get back to the playoffs. Maybe they won't. Maybe DeMarco Murray, Ryan Matthews put up big-time numbers. Or maybe those two go back to their injury ways. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Time will tell. Is he a genius? I don't know. Chip, does he have a plan? I think he does. Well, at the end of the day, we have to look at time. And time is the ultimate judge of things. And time will tell us whether or not Chip Kelly's plan and I guess you could put that plan in quotation marks. If that plan that Chip Kelly has, some argue it's not a plan. It's, some argue it's him, you know, just working off the seat of his pants and, and just, you know, just doing it as the, on the fly. Some, some make that argument. There's a lot out there. It's still not, this, this is not a finished product. This is not a finished product. This is a work. It's a work in progress. Whether or not that work in progress comes together to something beautiful 
Time will tell. And maybe ends up going with Bradford. He doesn't get Mariota. He goes with Bradford. And ultimately, the two quarterbacks, Bradford and Sanchez, fall flat on their face. The Eagles fall flat on their face. Chip Kelly falls flat on his face. And then maybe Chip Kelly says, you know what? I can't get my franchise quarterback right now. I can't deal with this no more. I'm going back to college. I'm done with the NFL. The NFL is not for long. And maybe Chip's saying, I don't want to do this for long, and I'm good. I tried. I did things my way, and it just did not work. Maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe Chip is in it for the long haul. And maybe if this plan does falter, maybe Jeffrey Lurie and ownership of the Philadelphia Eagles are saying, you know what? I don't want this. I don't want this anymore. This is a little too radical for me. You, you tried it. It failed. Let's move on. Maybe that happens. But I want to remind everybody something. Ray Rhodes, first two seasons, uh, his, he coached the Eagles first two seasons. Ray Rhodes was 20 and 12. Ray Rhodes he even had a playoff victory along the way. So he was 20 and 12, including a playoff victory. Remember that big time route over the Detroit Lions. Ray Rhodes was 20-12 and 12 and had a playoff victory. Ray Rhodes got some personnel say. Then John Harris walked through the door. Remember John Harris, number 90 for the Philadelphia Eagles, 6'7", tall guy, you know, but he flamed out. He was terrible. Ray Rhodes got power, but at the end of the day, what killed Ray Rhodes and that Eagles organization at the time was they didn't have a franchise quarterback. Rodney Pete wasn't a franchise quarterback. Ty Detmer wasn't a franchise quarterback. Bobby Hoying wasn't a franchise quarterback. You had those guys. It didn't work. And ultimately, Ray Rose lost his job. Andy Reid came in the door. He got his quarterback, Donovan McNabb, and they stayed together for a long period of time, had a lot of success. Ultimately, they did everything pretty much but win a Super Bowl. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But Chip is going to do things his way, and i got to respect the man who's going to go down doing it his way. It may not work. It's radical. It's crazy. It may not work. But, you know, a lot of people, a lot of guys who are, who, who are smarter than us, smarter than everybody, the geniuses out there, you know, they do things that people just can't fathom. They do things that people just can't understand. You're scratching your head. You're trying to figure out how and why he's doing some of the things that he does. And then you, you turn around, maybe a year or so later, like, wow, this dude's plan worked. This worked, and I don't know how he did it. It made no sense, but it worked. And that's what we could be saying a year from now, two years from now. Or we could be saying this guy's a mad scientist, and this mad scientist just, just it was so mad and so crazy that ultimately it cost him, him his job and set the Eagles organization back. A couple years. Let's take a caller. You don't go for it. Yeah, I, I keep hearing this uh, this storyline about a genius and 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 people don't understand. But I can't recall any. I don't remember Belichick making moves. The people saying, "Wow, that's a crazy move." I don't know if it's going to work. Well, I don't remember Lombardi. Belichick, here's the difference between Belichick and Chip Kelly. Belichick has Tom Brady, um, and when you have Tom Brady. Each and every time you roll that football out, you always have a chance. Each and every year you roll that football out, you always have a chance. Well, Wes Welker, he got rid of him. Um, Lawyer Malloy, he got rid of him. These were moves that people questioned at the time. 
But yeah, but these, these weren't these weren't 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 guys that were making game changing differences. Welker might have in the beginning of his career, but not at the end of his career. Since he's flew flew, flew the New England coop, he hasn't done much. I mean, I I, I know quest people question that move. But I think people agree with that move due to concussions and injuries and, and, and hits that he took along the way. I don't think any of the guys on, on the Eagle roster that were let go uh, were in that shape. They were all on the incline and not on the decline, such well, as Welker. I'm going to disagree. I mean, it's J.D. McCoy, he's the same age as DeMarco Murray. And, and so he might even be younger. But they're going to be the same age when it's all said. They're both going to be 27 when the season starts. But – LaShawn McCoy, to me, still he still was a 1,300-yard back last season. And, you know, Correct. I understand you could argue that the Eagles ultimately parlayed uh, Shady's salary into Kiko Alonso, into DeMarco Murray, into Ryan Matthews, on, into Walter Thurman. You could make that argument because it's a legitimate argument. But we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, it DeMarco is a Murray, legitimate argument. But, but also, if only half these guys make it to, to the end of the season – What's the what, what was the point of doing that? What was the point of making these deals? Yeah, I mean, one one could argue Demarco Murray won won the rushing title this year, but one could argue he's only had one productive season since entering the NFL sure. as well. For sure. I mean, I, I think I think Shady's had more than one productive year. Obviously, he's the all time leading rusher in Eagles history. For sure. But let me ask you this, and, and I think here's kind of bottom line. I know we're only in March, but would you rather have Foles? McCoy, and let's just say Macklin, or would you rather have Matthews, Ryan Matthews, DeMarco Murray, and Sam Bradford? Are you better off today than you were at the end of last season? With Bradford at the helm, I, I have to say no. I have to. He, he, he hasn't proven anything in, in his pro career other than the fact that he can't complete a season. For sure. And, and, and I think – when we look at it that way, I think there's a lot of question marks. But at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. Maybe Chip still has some chips that he's got to throw out there. Maybe he still has some chips up his sleeve that he's going to Man, throw I, out I there. Man, I sure hope one. so. I Maybe sure it's Marcus hope so. Mariota. Who knows? I mean, it looks unlikely, but DeMarco Murray was unlikely, too, a couple of days ago. So Agreed. We'll see what happens. You're happy Have with the moves? Have a good moves? night. At the end of the day, are you uh, happy with the moves? As a whole, or or well, let, let me let I, me ask I, it this way: At the end of the day, will this quote unquote plan work itself out? <laughs> I I'm going to have to say I don't think so at this point. I I I, I got to be honest and say that you know it, if you you know a wise man once told me the most important player on the field is your quarterback, <laughs> and if you and and if you're going to go to war with Sam Bradford. I just I can't I can't see it happening. You know, I, I just can't. I, I think that's what hurt the Cowboys so many years in a row is they're going to war with Tony Romo that seems to make the same mistakes year in and year out. Maybe with the exception of last year, but they still you know, they didn't get to where they wanted to go. But Sam Bradford, has he even made the playoffs yet? No. Has he even come close? No. Has he even completed a season yet? No, he, so what made, he did complete. He did play, complete a couple seasons, but he's been injury prone. And whether it's in college with the shoulder or whether it's the two ACLs on the pro level, he hasn't had much success staying healthy. And you know, sometimes you are what you are, and we'll see if he is 
what he is. The only time will tell. Thanks for the call. Thank you. So, you know, we'll see. It, 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 it's, it's obviously an interesting story. Chip Kelly just just doing things that many just can't understand, doing things that uh, it's just hard to fathom. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, maybe he has a plan and maybe he doesn't. But time will tell if that plan will work. I mean, obviously there's other things to talk about. You know, we could talk about this for a long period of time, but so much other moves going on in free agency. Darren McFadden comes into Dallas now. He will replace DeMarco Murray. Darren McFadden has had a hard time staying healthy. But one thing you can say about Darren McFadden, McFadden, he's got ability. He's got some ability. If he can stay healthy behind an offensive line, that's a great move for McFadden, and, and that could be a great move for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, you got that big-time offensive line. Darren McFadden might be successful in running behind that line and getting the job done. So I look at that, and, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It should be interesting. But, you know, I'm not saying, even with the Cowboys losing to Marco Murray, I'm not saying, you know, it kills their, their dreams. It kills their hopes. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is obviously, you know, Murray has had a better career than McFadden, but McFadden has some ability. He can play. If he's healthy, he can play. The problem is he can't stay healthy. And Wiseman once said that, you know, in order to show your ability, you have to have availability. And a big part of ability is availability and we'll see if if Darren McFadden can be available this season for the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see. Time will tell that. Time will be the judge of that. And we'll see what time has to say. We're about to bring in a guy now who uh, this season had a Pro Bowl year, made it to the Pro Bowl for the San Diego Chargers, had a solid season on special teams, got the job done on special teams, and this is a guy who's doing big things on the field, doing big things off the field. Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in now. Safety for the San Diego Chargers, Daryl Stuckey. Daryl, how are you, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem at all. Now, Daryl, your Chargers, they bring back Brandon Flowers. They sign Orlando Franklin. They sign Jacoby Jones. Your thoughts on the moves thus far by the Chargers in this offseason? I think they're definitely trying to make moves to make us better. I mean, obviously as a player, um, I mean, I'm kind of partial to the guys that we have to let go, and, and that always sucks in that part of the business. And um, I think it just this time of the year is so crazy. If you look at everything that's happening in the league and everything's happening with us in San Diego. But I think um, they're definitely making moves to try to make us better um, from what they areas need to improve. And obviously in some of those – decisions they make sometimes it pushes people that that we love and we that we want our core guys out of our off our roster but um hopefully we got a couple more guys on San Diego roster that are free agents this year that we can try to get back and but uh we gotta have faith in our front office that they'll make decisions that's best for the team thus far you're happy with the moves as a whole yeah I can't complain at all because I, I know that they have our best interest at heart I mean obviously 
in a family, you don't always agree with everything, but most of the time it ends up working out and you just got to see it through before you can even make any assumptions up front. I think the biggest thing for us is just to um, focus on what we do well, and that's uh, playing together and playing as a family. And I think they're bringing new people into our family, and we fill them out and see how they are, and they'll be more than welcome into the family until they prove us otherwise, I guess. For sure. <laughs> and this whole free agency process, it's fast, it's furious. How close are you paying attention to all this stuff? I mean, deals are happening as we speak. Deals are happening left and right. How close are you paying attention? Uh, me, I don't really look into it too much until stuff actually really happens. And I probably follow the charges closer than anybody else, but that doesn't really say much because I'm not big on just looking at my phone all day. For me, I'll just try always try to see what we're doing in San Diego and see who comes here and who and who we lose. And usually when we make a transaction in San Diego, it usually pulls me to look at somebody else that either we sent somebody to or that um, we're playing against. So it's just one of those things where we're just trying to fill it out. We're talking to safety for the Chargers, Daryl Stuckey. And, Daryl, let's look at you guys now. You guys, last game of the season, a win in your end scenario. You went to Kansas City. Ultimately, you lose. You get knocked out. Your hometown, Kansas City. How disappointing was that for you? I mean, for us, obviously, it's very disappointing for us to end our season on that note. But, obviously, every team except one ends on the loss. And um, it sucks not getting to the playoffs because we definitely um, were good enough to be in the playoffs, obviously we didn't put it together when we needed to. And I think that um, at the end of the day, we have a lot a lot of room to grow. And I think that uh, we're doing everything we can in this all season to get it going. And obviously it's too early to really talk about what we're getting better at. I and mean, I said the ro- that we're making different changes in the roster. But at the same time, when we get back in April, that's when we really start making some improvements. Did it sting at all being that you are a Kansas City guy? Did it sting at all? Did it sting a little extra? It, it, no, it, it's always fun going back and playing. I um, mean, my hometown is one of the better venues, I think, in, in the NFL outside of our own stadium. But I think the biggest thing is that um, it's a rivalry. So it's going to sting regardless. And it's in, and it's, it's divisional. So it's one of those things to where and it's in our conference. So it, it, like ASC West, we don't like losing any of those games. <laughs> We're talking to Charger safety, Daryl Stuckey. Daryl, let me ask you this now. As you said, you guys are making moves in this offseason, and we'll see what happens when it all comes together. But in your mind, how close are you guys to being a Super Bowl-caliber team? I mean, at the end of the day, every team suffers injuries. And arguably, I could easily say that last year, if we were fortunate enough not to lose some key components in our on our team, we could have easily been a Super Bowl-caliber team. And I firmly believe we could have easily won the Super Bowl. But every season is like that. Every Every great team has unfortunate injuries, and it's the teams that find a way to maneuver those injuries or have them early on in the season. They come back later on. <laughs> That's always good, but seeing any injuries can kill a team. It can kill a team's potential because now you've got guys that rely on that weren't quite ready yet. Definitely, definitely. And, Darrell, let me ask you this now. You had a great season, obviously. Ultimately, you ended up in the Pro Bowl. What did that mean for you to play in the Pro Bowl? Talk about that. I mean, as a player, your goal is first – of all, to prove your, to yourself, to your team, to be an asset to your organization. And in doing that, you want to be the best player you can and the best player to your position. And the football kind of solidifies that because obviously you're there with the best players in the NFL and obviously you're proving that you're the best you can be to your organization and in your position, which obviously over the top is going to excel and help your team win. Now, uh, how was the experience, man? Was it all that you thought it would be? It was all I thought it would be more. The atmosphere was amazing. I think the greatest thing about it is all those guys being the best at what they do 
this is such a humbling and such a very high respectful environment to be in. So many guys that love the game and play the game at a high level, it's nothing but glory to play in. Now, was it the type of trip where you kind of brought your family and turned it into a little vacation? Of course I brought my family. I did bring my family, and we had a baby girl like 36 hours after. It oh, was wow. Popo, but, um, <laughs> it, was, it was a great Different. It's definitely a great getaway for us, and definitely a great vacation and great experience. My son loved it. I, I almost didn't give him a Pro Bowl helmet back, but it was authentic helmet, so it was heavy. So he definitely gave it back to me eventually. But he's only two years old, so it kind of weighed him down. Was it a little touch and go in terms of your wife? I mean, you said she went 36 hours after. Was it kind of touch and go whether or not you would actually be able to play? Uh you know, I think we had faith in God that He would uh, maintain that until we were done with the game and. And I think that uh, we did everything we could to make sure it happens. Obviously, hydrated, and baby came eleven days early, so <laughs> it was it wasn't okay. like it was it was due during that week. It was obviously really early. We're talking to Charger safety Daryl Stuckey, and Daryl, as as you said, man, you're big time on special teams. You get it done on special teams. You've been getting it done for the past few seasons. What is your mindset on special teams? What's it take to be a big time special teamer? I think first and foremost. It takes a resilience and an unwavering willingness to do whatever it takes to beat the guy across from you. And I think at the end of the day, man, you got to be willing to do whatever it takes to help your team win within the lines of the day. And I think that um, regardless of what comes upon you, you have to have a plan or counter move to beat it. And you have to know most of the things. You have to know what to expect most of the time. Because there's no recreating special teams. There's no scheme out there that everybody hasn't seen. So it's one of those things to where most of the time you know what kind of attack you're going to be getting. At the same time, you have to do the maneuver because they're going to find ways to try to hide it or bluff it or, or misdirect you. But be able to react, have a plan A, have a plan B, have a plan C, and then have a panic uh, reaction to where you're going to find a way to get it done. <laughs> and you've been getting it done these past few seasons. You've been a captain for the Chargers of special teams for the last three seasons. Talk about your leadership abilities. What does it take in terms of you being a leader? Why do people count on Daryl Stuckey to be a leader of the special team? I think first and foremost, I mean, obviously you have to make plays, I think. Um, It's it's obvious. But the biggest thing that you have to earn the respect of your players first, the respect of your teammates. You have to earn their respect before you can assume that they have it. Because even when you earn it, you can't assume it. You have to continuously earn it every day. And doing that, you have to instill in them that they can trust you. And you don't do it intentionally. It just happens because of who you are and what you stand for as a person. And I think once you have a consistency of resilience and of perseverance and of being selfless, is a key component to where your teammates are going to notice you. Your teammates, especially when you start making plays, they can rely on you. And I mean, team captains, when the game's on the line, they expect team captains to make the play and, or sure. to be somewhat in in the play, to have a factor in it, to, whether I'm getting double teamed or not when the, when the game's on the line. I have to find a way to make the play or to make a big impact on the play being made. Do you view that as pressure, being that everybody is relying on you and counting on you? No, I don't think it's pressure because – I wouldn't expect anything less. If, I, if I'm the one on our team getting double-teamed every time, I have to find a way to beat that double-team. I can't just accept the fact that the double-team me and, and, and say, hey, guys, don't rely on me because I'll get double. No, there's no excuse right. in a family. I, I, do you think any right-minded father or mothers out there giving excuses because everything can go right in their life? No, they have to find a way to survive. And in our family, yeah, it is a game, but it's a parallel of responsibilities in our lifestyle to overcome and to find a way to always win. Every problem always has a solution. 
Jimmy willing to put in the work to get it done. For sure. We're talking to Charger safety, Daryl Stuckey. Now, Daryl, let me ask you this. You did big things on the field, and you're doing big things off the field with your organization, Living for One. Tell us about it. Living for One is something that I started. So people just get in contact with me, and I can be available because I love to speak and get out in public and, and inspire and um, just to be a part of the community and the environment that I live in. I think the biggest thing about it, obviously, is called Living for One because I believe that we all live in four different parts of our lives. And I say four because, first and foremost, we have our individual purpose. Then we have a purpose inside of the family that we are directly connected to. Now you have a purpose in the community that you live in, and you have a purpose in a broad range in the realm of the world and how you fit in because you can influence one person, that one person can influence somebody else, and we all know the effects of domino. Once one hits, you can hit down and knock, knock down a million people because of the word of mouth of inspiring one person. And I think that uh, we have a responsibility as people, especially as prominent figures, to be intentional in our actions and what we do and how we impact the world. And you have any upcoming events going on? I know I'm looking at your Twitter. You have some shirts out there that you're selling. Oh, man, that's a, <laughs> that's just a, I am taking shirts and then uh, some other shirts that other people have created that I kind of just, I like I am second. I'm part of I am second. I love it. And okay. it's basically putting God first and just um, living your life in, and, and the second because I say that because of the fact that it's a lifestyle. It's not just a decision you make. You, okay. If you see other people as higher value as yourself, you never disrespect anybody and you never you take it for granted because I think we live a life of serving, not just a life of expecting. And there's too many people assuming of expecting, of expecting so many things to be given to them. But I think the biggest thing for me is uh, I do have a couple of events. I think I have a camp in June here in San Diego. And I have another one in Kansas City, probably also in June. So it's going to be a great uh, month. And uh, it'll be some other stuff I'll do, obviously. I'm working on updating my website right now and, and get some new flair to it. So it'll be fun. Let me ask you this. I mean, you're a very religious man, and I want to ask you this. Do you do you feel like, and I know it was talked about during the playoffs, Russell Wilson was talking about uh, God and, and possibly God's will and things of that nature. In your opinion, because I honestly and personally believe that God does care who wins, do you believe God cares who wins games? No. Okay. I think he can use it. I think he can use it as, as inspiration to certain people, but – I don't think God is really that obsessive or, or that um, that uh, worried about the the destination. Because the first thing he gave us was a freedom of choice. So for me, I firmly believe that God focuses on the journey, not the destination or the finalization of the results. Because he's more concerned. Because it's in the journey where your heart is shaped. By the time the game's over, by the time the journey's over, your heart has already been shaped. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. Because if you put your heart all into it and you still come up with a loss, you're not going to going to go and 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 be disappointed in yourself. You'd be upset at the fact that you lost, but you would know you gave your all. And well, at, at the end of the day, you can live you can live with knowing you did everything you possibly could to win, and that day it just didn't work out. And other team found a way to win. But if you know you let the game slip away, that's when you beat yourself up and you and you get upset. But let me ask you this: in some respect, could it be? How about this in terms of maybe God is saying this is Daryl's time or this is Russell Wilson's time or this is, you know, Joe Smith's time. I mean, is that possible? And as we look at it from that angle, then maybe God does care. 
but the biggest thing is the first thing God says is he, he sees no one greater than another. That all his children sit in the same light. So how would he say this is such and such time? Well, because I believe that everybody has a moment and everybody has a time, and your time could be tomorrow, my time could be three years from now. But at the same time, all the time, the worst team in the league can have three or four or five pro bowlers. Does that mean it's not their time because they didn't win the Super Bowl? Well, it's their time to be a pro bowler, but it might not be their time to be winning the, win the Super Bowl. So maybe it's more about the people in the team and not just one person. That's possible. That's possible. So for me, I don't think God just says, oh, it's just one person's time. No, God says, hey, you choose your own battles and, and what you want to do with your life. And usually the team there probably finds a way to have the most discipline and the most togetherness and the most love between them as players. It becomes their time because they were intentional. Okay. So hypothetically. So, me, Go ahead. so once, again, once again, it's the journey. It's not the destination. The, the team still has a choice to make their own decisions, but if they first – sacrifice themselves over for their teammates, because they all may not be believers, but God says even the one that doesn't admit it knows, knows where their heart lies. So <laughs> everybody well, thinks that they do things just, for, just to do it, but even if you don't believe in something, you're still or influenced by something. Now, do you pray to win games, or you just pray to be healthy? I pray to be healthy, and I pray to do the best I can, I can be. And at the end of the day, the finalization has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with me and my team's ability to win. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fans. So, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's sometimes that I'll say, and let us see, see the victory, but I'm more worried about both teams playing the game the right way and being healthy and safe than I am about. And make sure we come along with the victory because that's not – this isn't war. <laughs> this isn't life or death. So, at, at the end of the day, the, the, the team of other guys praying the same thing. True. Let me so ask you. But does it mean God chooses one team over another? No, of course it doesn't. It just means he allows us to have the ability to have a choice. Because if that was the case, you think God would have let Adam let Eve commit the first hand? No. It's right. about the victory. <laughs> so he gave us the freedom of choice. So it's a destination. So God gave him the option. He said, hey. But he intertwines the journeys, and that's where he shapes our hearts. Because they broke down and they lost, and he gave us a different choice. But even in a mess, there's always a message, you know what I mean? So choosing to do not the right things, there sometimes is a message that comes from that. Yeah, but uh, vice versa also. Because, I mean, we can go biblical and talk about Job. Yeah, he was blameless, and it, it, should, it was his time. But yet he was, the, God still let the devil tempt him, let the, let the devil attack him, and yet he still worshiped God because what good is it to be equipped with knowledge and never be tested? True. Very true. No, that, 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 you're, you're totally correct. Let me ask you one more thing. In, in terms of, of being on the field and, and your faith, you talked about, you know, being vindictive. Is it difficult not to be vindictive on the football field? Because a lot of dirty things go on a football go on but, but, and, and happen but, but, on the football field. But it comes down to your core. I mean, yeah, you can get altercations with people, but vindictive means you're holding a grudge. It means you're letting something fester. So, Moment, momentary impulses isn't being vindictive. It's letting things fester. Because if somebody comes to take a cheap shot at me, let's say somebody holds me and grabs me from behind, I may swing and knock their arm off and then say something to them and walk away. And then the next play, if i got to block that person, then, then yeah, I might aggressively come at them and block them. But I'm not going to put my team at risk by trying to be vindictive and take them out or take a cheap shot. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. Because at the end of the day, you still have balls. You still have a foundation that you stand on. 
For sure. So if one person did not get off the foundation, then the foundation is a strong anyway. That's a good, great point. Great point. And it is all about foundation at the end of the day. Fans, yeah. make sure you go to his website, livingforone.com. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter, at Daryl Stuckey, and support all the great things going on with Living for One and all the great things going on. I'll have a golf tournament here in San Diego coming up, too, in May. Okay. Partnering with SCA, so it'll be awesome. So he's got a lot going on. He's got a lot going on (laughs) on the field, a lot going on off the field, and this man is doing doing some great things in the community, doing some great things on the field. This is a positive guy, positive brother. Listen to what he says. So, again, go to his website, livingforone.com. Also, hit him up on Twitter, at Daryl Stuckey. Daryl, pleasure talking yes, to you, sir. man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Take care. Daryl Stuckey, safety for the San Diego Chargers. You know, we had an interesting debate about whether or not God cares who wins, who doesn't win. You know, and I, and I still I, I disagree with him. I, I think God does care who wins and who doesn't win. I just feel like at the end of the day, God is going to maybe uplift an individual or individuals who are willing to, in my opinion, move the kingdom along, if you will, who are willing to spread the gospel and spread the glory and spread the message of God, i.e. Tim Tebow, who, you know, even throughout the course of that spectacular, magical season that he had a few years ago, you know, he was able to, you know, put God in the forefront because that's all he talked about was God. So I, I, I think God does care because God, in my opinion, used Tim Tebow on some in some on some level to spread the gospel, if you will, and he used Tebow mania and all the things that happened with Tim Tebow and all the great attention that Tim Tebow got and had. He used that, in my opinion, and so I think God does care who wins, but we'll, we'll definitely agree to disagree, but appreciate Daryl Stuckey uh, stopping by. You know, let's stick with the NFL right now. And, you know, so many moves being made. Dominican Sue goes to the, D- uh, the Miami Dolphins, leads the Detroit Lions. I like what the Lions did in terms of bringing Haloti Nada in to replace that. I mean, obviously, I, I, I mean, I think Sue is better than Nada, but, I mean, you're not paying Haloti Nada $100 million, $114 million, $60 million in guarantees. So, and, and he's solid. So I definitely think that's a big-time acquisition for the Detroit Lions, and, and that helps, you know, let, you know, it helps. It helps. And obviously losing Sue is big, but I think this kind of lessens the blow, if you will, by bringing in a guy like a Haloti Nada. So I think that was a good move by the Detroit Lions and the Dominican Sue going to the Miami Dolphins. That's not a bad move. I mean, the Dolphins definitely, you know, a Cameron Wake, and a Dominican Sue together, obviously that's going to help him. A guy going up, you know, pushing up the middle is going to help the guy coming from the edge in Cameron Wanks, Wake. Excuse me. That's definitely going to help. How about the New Orleans Saints? I mean, and you know, they continue to, to make some moves, continue to, uh, you know, move some things around, shake some things up, if you will. I mean, C.J. Spiller, they bring him in, and they trade Kenny Stills to the Dolphins. They get back Dar- uh, Donnell Ellerby in the third-round pick. You remember Ellerby? who got some money, big-time money after the Ravens won the Super Bowl a couple years back. But, I mean, you know, the Saints had some issues on the defensive side of football, but you bring him in to help your defense. You also signed Brandon Browner, who, you know, that's definitely going to help your your, your defense. That's an upgrade for you. I mean, so you, you've made some moves. Jimmy Graham is going. You bring in a Max Unger, 
uh, to help your offensive line. Obviously, that was a shocker, a shocker that Jimmy Graham was sent packing by the Saint, uh, New Orleans Saints. That, that came out of nowhere. But Seattle, obviously, they upgraded their tight end position by getting their hands on uh, Jimmy Graham, one of the best tight ends in football. So, I mean, the Saints are moving and grooving and they're making some moves here. We'll see if those moves come and ultimately help them uh, become a better football team. I mean, they were 7-9 last year, and, you know, a lot of you had the Saints going to the Super Bowl. I know I did. I had the Saints in the Super Bowl. And, and so, you know, this is a team that has talent, but we don't know what they're going to do with their quarterback. I mean, there's rumors about Drew Brees and whether or not he could be on the move and whether or not he could go to Tampa or whether or not he could go – uh, to somebody, and they can get their hands on a quarterback. I don't know. But if, if that deal is, in fact, true, that Tampa has interest in Drew Brees and is willing to give up the number one pick in Jameis Winston for a guy like Drew Brees who's on the back end of his career, who could still play, had big-time numbers last season, but he's on the back end of his, his career. So you're not going to give up a guy in Jameis Winston for the next 10 to 12 years who could be your franchise quarterback for that period of time for Drew Brees, a guy who may have three to four good years left. You're not going to do that. That's just an awful move. That's a move that doesn't make any type of sense whatsoever. So I don't envision that happening. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But how about the Indianapolis Colts? Well, Frank Gore said, you know what? I changed my mind. You know, I, I, I wanted to go. I was going to go to the Eagles. You know, we, we had something in place, and I changed my mind. And maybe Shady McCoy got in his ear and was like, yo, you don't want to go there. Maybe Deshaun Jackson got in his ear and said, yo, you don't want to go there. Maybe, you know, a Trent Cole got in his ear and said, hey, you don't want to go there. I mean, maybe some people got in his ear and said, hey, man, maybe you don't want to go there. But Or maybe Frank Gore looked at it the way I look at it and say, I look at the Indianapolis Colts, I look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, the Indianapolis Colts have Andrew Luck. Enough said. The Eagles have Sam Bradford and Mark Sanchez. Andrew Luck, Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez, who would you rather play with? Okay, conversation over. So, and, I, and I think Frank Gore looked at it that way, and he looked at it and said, who has a better chance to win a Super Bowl right here, right now? It's not the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the Indianapolis Colts. So he said, you know what? I'm going to Indy. Indy also got Andre Johnson. Indy also got Trent Cole. And so Indy is a team that, you know, they're looking to upgrade and they're a team that's close. They're close. You know, last year they got blown out in the AFC Championship game to the New England Patriots. But they're close. Andrew Luck, he's an upper echelon quarterback. He's a franchise guy. They're close. How close are they? We'll see. But, and you know, one of the issues that they had last season was the run game. Trent Richardson, who they moved on, he wasn't what they bought. He wasn't what they traded for. You know, Ahmad Bradshaw was off to a pretty good start, but he got hurt. But now you bring in a guy in Frank Gore. Maybe Frank Gore has a lot left. Maybe he doesn't. I'm not a, I was under the mindset and the thought that maybe Frank Gore was he's on, the, he's on the back end of things, and I didn't know necessarily how much he had left. But we'll see. We'll see. But obviously the Colts are out there making moves, and maybe those moves will, will turn the Colts into a – Super Bowl team at this point in time. But the Colts definitely are out there. They're active. They're active. And, you know, a lot of teams are active. Buffalo Bills, a team that has been active. They got a running back in LaShawn McCoy. 
uh, some can argue on the best running backs in football, top three, top five back. They got him now. They signed a Percy Harvin. They traded for Matt Castle. There's still questions at one of the most important positions in sports, the quarterback position. Defensively, they're good. They have a solid defense in Buffalo. They have a very, they have a very good defense in Buffalo. They're solid. But you, you look at the Buffalo Bills and you say maybe, you know, they're, re- they're willing and they're ready to con- compete against the New England Patriots. They were 9-7 a year ago. Kyle Orton came in and played pretty decent football for them. But at this point in time, your quarterback position is questionable. E.J. Manuel, he was sat down. And, you know, he's a young, young quarterback. He was sat down. And, you know, we'll see if he is their quarterback of the future. Matt Castle, I mean, can he put up numbers? I mean, he did lead the Chiefs to the playoffs a few seasons ago. Did lead the Patriots to 10 wins a few seasons ago. But is it enough? Is it enough? We'll see. You still got Tom Brady in the world champion New England Patriots in your division. How about the New York Jets? You know, the back ends, their secondary was bad last year. Well, it might be a strength this season as you bring in a Darrell Revis paid him a boatload of money. Revis always finds a way to get paid. They paid him a boatload of money. He was a hired gun last year by the New England Patriots, and now he's back in New York with the New York Football Jets. And ultimately, he gets his, he gets big time money with forty eight million in guarantees. They bring back Antonio Cromartie, so they bring back that that uh, corner tandem that they had a few years ago, Cromartie and Revis. They bring in a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who knows what that's going to get them? Maybe nothing, but they have an interesting decision to make at the quarterback position. To me, it's in, uh, it's not that very it's not very interesting from my standpoint. From my standpoint, it's kind of a simple uh, situation. I don't think Geno Smith's an NFL quarterback. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Because I don't think he's an NFL quarterback, time will be the judge, and we have to figure out whether or not, since he's not an NFL quarterback, in my humble opinion, and that's just my humble opinion. Since I don't believe he's an NFL quarterback, obviously you have to figure out what you're going to do at the quarterback position. And, you know, to me, if Marcus Mariota is there, you got to go with him. you got to pick him. If Marcus Mariota is there, if he is there and you have an opportunity to get him, you have to go after him, and you have to go after him right now. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Second hour, go for it. Starting right now. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see. anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around to. 
I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Second hour, go for it. Starting right now. In this hour, we're expected to be joined by track star Marvin Bracey. Uh, this is a guy now who's putting up some big-time numbers. His times have been beautiful. You know, he won uh, the national world champion, national championships uh, a few weeks back. He's having some success right now. And, you know, you got the Olympics coming up in 2016, world championships, outdoors coming up in August of 2015. So a lot of things going on, a lot of things buzzing in the track world right now. But we're going to talk to Marvin Bracey about that in this hour. So we got a lot to talk about. Lots of, the, you know, how about last night? I'm going to go to the NBA. How about last night what we saw? Um, what a performance last night by Kyrie Irving. I mean, a, a scintillating, stellar performance by Kyrie Irving, 57 points, 57 points in that game. I mean, he was absolutely amazing in that game. He kept coming, he kept coming, he kept coming, and he kept coming. And that was, you know, Charles Barkley said it best, I think. He said that was a an old-school uh, NBA game because they were going back and forth, whether it was LeBron James and, and Kawhi Leonard, whether it was uh, Tony Parker and Kyrie Irving. They were going back and forth, and they, they were battling. They were fighting, and they were going at each other. They were going at each other. And LeBron James, I mean, he took the headband off. What's up with that? Bron Bron taking the headband off, and, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't need it anymore. You can see, you see that hairline. But anyway, you look, at, you look at last night, that was a big-time performance. That was a big-time game. That was some big-time basketball. And, and to me, you know, you don't like that. You don't like NBA basketball, and, and that's bottom line, point blank. I mean, that was some good basketball being played last night, high-level basketball being played last night, two teams going back and forth. And as I said before, if you, know, if you tell me that's the NBA Finals, those two teams will meet in the NBA Finals, sign me up right now. Sign me up right now. Just sign me up right now because I'm, I'm good. I, that's what I want to see. Sign me up. I, I want to see it. I want to see six, seven games of that. Sign me up right now. I'm good with that. I love to see that. And so, you know, we, we it's obviously some good basketball last night. And Kyrie Irving, man, that guy was, was, was something special. He was ridiculous. He was absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, he's putting the ball in the basket. 57 points. I mean, that, that's crazy. You know, this is a second 50-point game this season. So he obviously he's a guy who can score the basketball. He can score the basketball, and you look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they battled, and they battled, and they kept coming back. And what is it with Kawhi Leonard and missing free throws with LeBron James is in the building? I mean, he was in the building uh, last time Kawhi Leonard missed two crucial free throws uh, against uh, the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. He missed some crucial free throws, and he missed some crucial free throws last night. He left the door wide open for Kyrie Irving to walk right through it with that three-point shot and for LeBron James and Kyrie Irving to take it over in overtime and ultimately win the game. What a performance last night by uh, everybody involved. I mean, that was some good, hard-nosed basketball. That was great, man. It, it doesn't get any better than that. It was exciting, and I, I loved every moment of it. It had a playoff feel to it. You don't get that many times in the NBA where you have a playoff 
atmosphere. We have two teams back and forth battling, fighting each other, you know, for everything. Like, the, the game really meant something to both ball clubs. It really did. And you had two of the best point guards going at each other, Kyrie Irving, Tony Park. I mean, those boys were going at each other, back and forth. Who can who top who? And ultimately, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, and the Cavaliers were able to top. They were able to top the San Antonio Spurs. Amazing. Great basketball last night. So exciting. The NBA, it truly is fantastic. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We see what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not right. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. We're about to bring in a guy now. I mean, he's running fast, man. He's running real, real fast right now. Uh, putting up some big-time numbers. Again, the world championships are coming up in August. you got the Olympics coming up in 2016. So a lot of a lot of exciting times coming up in the track and field world. Let's bring him in now. Brace yourself now. Let's bring him in. Track star Marvin Bracey. Marvin, on, how are bro. you, man? I'm good. And yourself, sir? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. All right, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Now, Marvin, last time we talked, you were gearing up for the 2015 indoor track season. You go out, you get gold in the 60 meters at the U.S. National World Championships. Talk about your performance. Oh, man, um, you know, I had a rough prelim, kind of stumbled out the blocks a little bit, uh, been dealing with that this year. But I was made, um, able to override it and get into the finals and, you know, just grind out a win, which is what it's about at the end of the day. For sure, and you're grinding out wins, and you're getting it done. And as you said, that's what it's all about, and you're getting it done, man. In January, you had a big-time performance in the 55-meter dash. You were in a 6.09. That was a world best. What was your reaction when you saw that time? And as you were running, did you feel like you were on a, a world record pace? Um, actually, no. Uh, I just uh, I had a good prelim, but it wasn't as fast as I wanted it to be. I came out in the finals, you know, just with some vengeance because of, you know, what happened last year in this race. And I just ran, you know. I was, If you look at the video, I was just so caught all guard by the time. And, you know, I ran all the way. I ran 50 meters, 55 meters back the other way, you know, still celebrating because, you know, I knew then from that point on, I knew what kind of shape I was in moving forward into this year. Now, coming into the 2015 season, obviously you, you, you talked about the type of shape that you're in. But coming into this season, did you sense that, you know what, this was going to be a big-time year for me and it's going to be one of the best years I've had? I did. You know, last year I I made a lot of mistakes and I learned from them. You know, I learned, you know, what not to do and what to do, you know, to make sure I get in shape and stay in shape 
and carry that throughout this entire 15, 2015 season. And um, you know, I've been doing a pretty good job of that. So that's how I knew, you know, from the from the start of the season, I knew that this is going to be a great year for me. Now, what did you do differently to ensure that you would have this big time year? Um, you know, I I, I, talk, I, you know, I learned a lot about sacrifice. You know, even though you know I'm 21, I'm young, and you know I want to live the life of a normal 21 year old. I, I the, the, with the career I chose, I've learned that that's not possible. So you know, right. you got to sacrifice a lot at the you know at this age to you know be able to do that later to know that you can do that later in life and still have just as much fun with it. So you know you just got to cut back on you know certain stuff and you know just move on with what you got going on. Is there times you say to yourself, "Man, I want to be 21"? Man, no. You you have no idea. I'm actually going through that as we speak. Okay, all right. I mean, you, like you said, I mean, obviously you're making a big time commitment, a big time sacrifice, and at your age, like you, most people are out there having a good time and you know doing what they do, and like you said, you're making sacrifices uh, year in and year out because you want to be at the top of the track world, and that's what you got to do to make it at the top of the track world. We're talking to uh, track star Marvin Bracy now, Marvin. 2015, you got the Outdoor World Championships coming up. As a whole, what times are you shooting for in the 100 and the 200? What are you shooting for time-wise? Time-wise, I, I, I just got. I just have to. It's going to be imperative that I go up under 10 seconds this year. Right. Um, 200. I, I, I haven't made too many, you know, big goals for that. I don't plan on doubling this year. Um, there'll be plenty of time for that. Like I said, you know, I'm very young and I got some time in this sport to, you know, make it to that point, but. Right now, you know, I'm just going to focus on 100 and, you know, running under 10 seconds consecutively, though. You know, now, and I can do this on a consistent basis and to just keep on, you know, grinding. Like every time I step on the track, I should be, you know, able to run nine seconds and nine seconds and, you know, to get to the nine eights and the nine sevens and, you know, go places people have never been. Now, what what made you give up the 200? Was it a case where you just, you know what, I, I, I in order for me to bet, be the best that I want to be, I need to just focus on the 100? Was that what it was all about? No, actually, man, I've never in my life liked the 200 ever. Okay. I actually was looking at this picture today, and I was just, I was getting ready for a 200. It was an old high school picture, and I was just looking at the look on my face. And from that moment, I just knew that you know that just wasn't my that's just not my cup of tea. I just I think it's too far to be perfectly honest. Like I'm okay. more of a you know a 60 100 guy. I can do a 200, but it's not my favorite event. You know. Okay. So it's not like you know I I, I want to get to the point where I can run a great 200. But I, I, I shouldn't, you know, I don't have to. I want to be able to run a, a superb 100, you know, still be able to run a great 200. Well, I ran a little track in high school myself, and I always, I always liked the 200 better than the 100 for whatever reason. I just felt, you know, it was it was, it was not as fast as the uh, 100, and I just liked it a little better. But, you know, obviously you're a, two, you're a 100 guy, uh, more so than a 200 guy. So basically, moving forward, you're going to be focusing on the 100-meter dash. And I want to ask you this. When you race, do you race the clock or do you race individuals? How do you look at it? It's it's actually crazy. You don't you you really don't want to race neither. Don't worry okay. about the clock. You don't worry about who's in the race because that's how you always get messed up, and that's what happened to me in the USA Championships. I got caught up in looking inside at the competition, and I got straight away from my race pattern. You actually want to focus on one lane, and that's just your lane. If you can focus on perfecting your race, you will run the perfect race. And that's what I'm searching for. Now, has that always been? Has it always been that way for you? You always just focused on the lines and focused on going straight. For for the most part, yeah. I mean, like I said, in some races, you know, I get caught up in looking inside 
and you know, seeing who you know, seeing who's in that, seeing who's next to me and whatnot. But you know, that, that's actually bad, and you know, it's a habit that I've been you know consistently trying to break, and I'm getting a lot better at it. We're talking to track star Marvin Bracy now, Marvin. As we know, 2015, the World Championships are coming up in August. At this point in time, and that's going to be an exciting time for you, obviously. I mean, it's a great opportunity to show what you have been training for this whole time. But 20, the, obviously, World Championships are 2015, August 2015, excuse me. But what's next for you? Um, actually, I'm getting ready for uh, Florida Relays coming up early April. Okay. And then we're going to, you know, focus on, you know, getting ready to gear up for the 100 and to start grinding out these fast times so that, you know, we can solidify our mark and get ready for the U.S. Outdoor Championships to make that 2015 team. Now, what uh, what kind of times, obviously you're practicing at this point, what kind of, have you been hitting, have you been getting below 10 consistently? Below 10 In, in practice? Yes, yeah. of course. But it's always, you know, a lot easier in practice. There's no pressure. You're running by yourself, so you can only focus on your lane. You know, it's a little different okay. when you got, you know, Three guys to your right, and you know another three guys to your, another four guys to your left, and all of these guys are capable of going under ten seconds at any given race. So you know it's a little bit different, you know, added pressure. But you know that's the the lovely thing about this sport. Like you can't control what the next man does. It's only you, you know, it's only you controlling you, and you know vice versa. So it's just you just got to focus on you and get there. We're talking to track star Marvin Bracy. Marvin, I got to ask you this. I know you played some football in college, so you got the NFL draft coming up. Uh, more than likely, Jameis Winston probably will be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Should Jameis Winston be the number one pick in the NFL draft, in your opinion? Man, I have no doubt in my mind that he should be the number one pick in this year's draft. Tell us why. I feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of Mariota as well. He's a great player, don't get me wrong. But, you know, as people always stated that, you know, Jameis is just a little bit more pro-ready. He comes from a great you know, pro-style Jimbo ran offense, and he just got, you know, all the keys. I mean, he you can see at the combine, you know, he was able to adjust to different receivers that he's never thrown to. You know, throughout the season, the man just knows how to, you know, keep his composure and win a game. Of course, you know, it's going to take a little bit more at this next level, but I'm pretty sure, you know, he can manage it. And, and do you feel like some of the off-the-field things, do you think that's the thing that he will ultimately overcome and it won't be an issue moving forward for him? Honestly, from like my God to honest opinion, like I feel like you know people like magnify that. You know, of course they're gonna do it because of who he is, but to me it really wasn't that big of a deal. I feel okay. like they blew it like way, way out of proportion. Like you know the whole you know all of the instances they were so small, like tiny. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he committed murder or something. You know, they put him on the same level as somebody that was probably like you know just robbing people and breaking people's houses, beating up girls, you know, all kind of stuff. But, you know, in my mind, I feel like, you know, he's definitely going to overcome that and, you know, move forward with his life and do what he has to do. I want to read a tweet from you from March 10 as we talk about the NFL, talk about football right now. If the Saints really traded Jimmy Graham, they ain't my favorite team no more. SMA <laughs> shaking my head. Are the Saints your favorite team still? They're still my favorite team, man. I can't trade on my boys like that. I'm a huge, huge Drew Brees fan. He's actually my favorite quarterback. Okay. Um, I'm still a fan, but I'm really, you know, I'm really pissed off at the trade. You know, he was a great tight end. Like, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand the nature of the business, and I never will. Like, you franchise tag him the year before, and then you trade him out of, out of left field. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me, you know. Yeah. Came out of nowhere. I mean, the Saints are doing I mean, a I'm, makeover. 
I'm no GM. I'm no general manager. I'm no head coach. I don't know what's going on with the organization. But, you know, as a fan from the outside looking in, it's, it's just it's crazy. Now, I'm also on Twitter, man, and you're an Orlando Magic guy. You got an Orlando Magic tattoo. Yeah, man. It's my squad. It's home team, man. Okay. I, I, feel, I hope they resurface, man. I really do. All right, we'll see. I mean, Oladipo, uh, you know, they got some got some talent there, but time will tell. Time will tell. Do you regret that tattoo? No, I, I really don't. Um, it's been my favorite okay. team, you know, all my life. Ever since you know, I've discovered the sport of basketball, um, it's my hometown. You know, I'm from Orlando, Florida. I can, yeah, I can, I can never really root for. I can never really root for nobody else. You know, like I root for them. I'm a fan of you know other teams and you know, players on teams and stuff. But ultimately, the Magic will be my favorite team, whether they're. Zero and one twenty nine or one twenty nine and zero. We're talking to track star Marvin Bracey. Marvin, the Olympics are coming up twenty sixteen. At the end of the day, at this point in time, how legitimate are your chances to make the team, to make the U.S. Olympic team? Do you feel they're good? I really feel like I have just as good a chance as any other runner on that, that any other American runner. You know, I'm, I mean, my, I don't have the fastest of the fastest times, but I feel like you know. Come that time for Olympic trials, I will definitely be at the shape and at the speed I need to be to come across that line in top three and make that team. So I guess we all should just brace ourselves for what could happen. Oh, you, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> Fans, make sure you support this man's journey. Hit him up on Twitter, underscore Brace Yourself, Marvin Bracey. Support all the great things going on with Marvin Bracey. Marvin. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Thank you. Yes, sir, definitely. Take care. Yes, sir, you too. Marvin Bracey, as he prepares for the World Championships, as he prepares for the Olympics, and we'll see what happens. 21 years old, I mean, this man is, as he said, he talked about sacrifices. And to me, you know, that's a beautiful thing when you hear a guy 21 years old talking about sacrificing and, and sacrificing some things and not out there wasting his time, not out there getting his, his, his party on, getting his drink on, getting his club on, doing all those things. He's focused on it. He has a dream. He has a goal, and that goal is the Olympics. That goal is success at the World Championships, and you don't have many 21-year-olds talking that way. You don't have many 21-year-olds sacrificing the way this guy is. We wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. I mean, he's he's putting up some big-time numbers thus far. His times have been good, and hopefully moving forward he can keep that up and he can have the success that he wants to have moving forward. Brace yourself, Marvin Bracey. Good talking to him. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Jameis Winston. And obviously, you know, uh, Marvin, he supports him, and he believes that he will be the number one pick in the draft. He should be the number one pick in the draft. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. And quite frankly, he should be the number one pick in the draft. But I, I look at it, Marcus Mariota had his pro day the other day, uh, yesterday to be exact. And, you know, there's been some talk that he was, it was up and down. You know, you, it depends who you talk to. It's funny when, when, when guys, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, when guys are talking about the, the combines, we're talking about, hey, you got one guy that says, well, he, he did well. You got another guy that said, well, he did excellent. You have another guy that said, well, he was a little up and down. You have another guy. I mean, you have all these different guys saying all these different things about how his pro day was. Who knows how his pro day was? Who, I mean, at the end of the day, who, who knows? And who knows whether that's going to translate into anything? Be mindful. Jamarcus Russell had one of the best pro days ever. I mean, people are still gushing about that pro day. An amazing pro day by Jamarcus Russell. We're still talking about it. 
But what happened to Marcus, to Marcus Russell on the football field? It didn't translate. So to me, guys in shorts and, and, and T-shirts throwing the football around, I, I don't really take much stock into it. You know, the, the combine, guys are running 40-yard dashes and, and, and doing this and that in terms of reps. On the on the bar on the as they lift the weights and things of that nature, can you do two twenty five thirty times forty times? All these things don't matter. At the end of the day, we got a bunch of film on these guys. Some guys four years, other guys three years. But there's film out there on these guys. At the end of the day, the film has to stand up. I mean, we could talk all we want uh, about you know reps and forty times and all that other stuff, agility drills and all that other craziness. But at the end of the day, it's about the film. And it's about your heart. And it's about, you know, whether or not your heart and whether or not your athletic ability and whether or not your mind and all these things can come together for ultimate success. And that's the, that's the, the whether or not these things can come together for ultimate success. We'll see. You know, Mariota, maybe the Eagles will come get him. Maybe they won't. Maybe Mariota goes one to the Buccaneers. I think – he should go, two to the Titans if he doesn't go, one, to the Buccaneers. Because if you're the Titans, I don't know if you can let him go by. You know, you, are, do you really love Zach Mettenberger? Do you really believe that Zach Mettenberger is a guy that we can, you can count on moving forward? Do you really believe that Zach Mettenberger is a franchise-caliber quarterback? I don't know if I do. I don't know if I do. But I will say this. I will say this. Here's what I'll say. When, when talking about this whole situation and then talking about, you know, Winston and, and Mariota and talking about pro days, I don't really, I had really take much stock in it. I really don't. And, and I think in terms of what's going to happen, in terms of I, I, if you're Tennessee, I don't think you should let him go by. If you're Washington at five, I'm sure I think you have to think long and hard about him. If you're the Jets at six, I don't think you can let him go by. Unless you feel like Geno Smith is quarterback for you, or unless you feel like Marcus Mariota can't make the transition to a quote-unquote pro-style offense. I mean, that, that's what you have to think about. That's what you have to think about. And we'll see in terms of all those things that we discussed, whether or not it'll translate. We'll see if these things will work out. We'll see what happens. Should be interesting. Should be very interesting. March Madness Championship Week is going on right now, but I contend that the true March Madness is what we saw this weekend, this week. That's the madness. You know, who's going to pick who? Who, you know, who's picking up this guy? Who's trading for this guy, that guy? That's the true madness. To me, that's the true madness. And to me, you look at March Madness, you look at what's going on. Obviously, you got to see, you know, you, you always pay attention to the bubble teams. You always look at, you know, who's going to uh, get the number one seed. And, you know, a lot of interesting basketball to be played. I mean, you know, the Temple Owls were a bubble, are a bubble team, and they won today. That helps, 23 victories for Temple. You know, Kentucky, whether or not they can continue to go undefeated, well, they won today. They moved to 32-0. They beat up on the Florida Gators. So there's, you know, those are the things that you kind of focus on when you look at March Madness. And I always said when it comes to the tournament, the best time of the tournament is the first 
week, the, you know, the Thursday and Friday. That's the best. You know, that's when you have all the, the possibilities of upsets. And, you know, that's the best time for me. And I always look forward to that time. And so we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what transpires, and we'll see how it goes. But there's a lot of great college basketball going on right now, and we'll see how it all materializes. We'll see how it all works out. Ultimately, we'll see who gets the number one seeds. You know, Virginia, they had a little bit of a hiccup last week. Well, does that derail them and take them off the, the number one seed spot? I don't think so. Right now, they're losing to North Carolina, second half down by 11 points. But we'll see how that transpires. A lot of football, basketball, excuse me, to be played. I got football on my mind, and how could you not have football on your mind when you have all the free agency and all the Chip Kelly moves and all this craziness going on out here? Zany. Zany, man. Absolutely crazy. And, you know, you look at the NBA, you know, Phil Jackson believes free agency, not the draft, will help rebuild the Knicks. You know, you wonder if the Knicks can ever become a prime location and a prime spot for teams. I don't know if it can. I don't know if it ever will. But, you know, we'll see. But obviously Phil Jackson is saying that the Knicks are going to try to do it through free agency. They're going to try to do it that way. They feel like free agency is a priority. I feel like, you know what, if you can get the number one pick, the draft is important, but free agency is important as well. But what makes the Knicks a desirable place to go? Is New York still as desirable as it once was? I know everybody's not want to play in New York. You know, the Garden, the Mecca of basketball. But is it still as desirable as people may make it out to be? I mean, heck, you know, you got teams going to Cleveland. you got players wanting to go to Cleveland. So, I mean, yeah, that's because of LeBron James, obviously. But, you know, players are going to Cleveland. So, obviously, is, is, is Madison Square Garden, is that appealing? Is New York City appealing to players? I don't know. Time will tell, just like is, is L.A. still appealing to players? I don't know. I just don't know at this point in time because we have a lot of uncertainty with the Lakers. So we'll see. I want to thank Marvin Bracey for stopping by. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter at underscore Brace Yourself. Also, I want to thank uh, Daryl Stuckey for stopping by. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter at Daryl Stuckey. And, uh, you know, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T. G-A-N-T. Hit us up on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user. Let's go for it. Can't. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.